I'm sitting on the laptop one day. I pull it up to look for something. Like I remember I was just looking, I needed to find some sort of information on the internet. And I get on and instantly pops up porn, like pornography. And I was like, oh, crap. Because Steve had already told me before we got married that he looked at pornography. And so I wasn't like shocked, except that I realized it was all gay porn. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. We get the party started? Let's do it. What are we talking about tonight? All right. So we're going to go back to you guys' timeline. Okay. Because we've had a couple of episodes where I think we've stayed on topic of, you know, we had Stephanie in here and then we talked about pride, but I think we should go back, back to and, the timeline. Okay. and start going over the timeline. And I think we ended the timeline right about a year. And I remember one of Jessica's last comments was, our first year, she said something like, everybody says that the first year of marriage is always hell. The hardest. The hardest. But then she said, ours didn't seem like that. But I think that there was a point within six months where it could have been really hard. But you guys still worked through something that could have been mm-hmm. hard and a struggle. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So. And I mean, like... Steve and I, when we first got married, it wasn't like a big adjustment, I didn't feel like. Like, it just felt natural to be living together. It felt like an easy flow. Mm-hmm. Well, you said it just felt natural, like right from the get-go? Right from the get-go. Did you feel that same way, I think Steve? so. I was, when you mentioned this last time we recorded, I was trying to, like, think back on, like, what memories I have of that first year. And I don't, I can't think of, like, specifics, really. Just this general overall, that it was very, it was a very pleasant, just a... I just a moved, really good thing. I moved into Steve's apartment, which was just a block away a from my parents' apartment. house. Yeah, basement apartment. And yeah, it was really like, I don't remember any... Just, yeah, it wasn't super rough. It wasn't really hard. It wasn't a big adjustment phase like some people experience. And mm-hmm. What do you think attributed to the fact that it didn't feel like it was a big adjustment? I don't know. I think it was what a lot of think? personalities. I don't know, like not focusing on things that didn't matter. The small things. I think a lot of times people get hung up on focusing on the small things. When they first get married especially. Like all these weird intricacies that the other person has. Yeah. You just got to let go of those. We bought two separate tubes of toothpaste because I heard that was a good idea. <laughs> really? <laughs> Isn't that something everybody uh, says you fight about? Like the first year of marriage is yeah. the toothpaste because one does it like... Squeeze it from the middle, squeeze from the end. We had two separate ones when we first got married, and I did that on purpose. That's funny. But now we do have one, and it's never been an issue. But you and I have been good at that, too, at just letting go of the small things. I think it's because we all realized they were bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica likes a fried fish. (laughs) Anyways, but in, like, both marriages, I mean, Matt and I came into it already having kids, having exes to deal with, and, like, huge things to overcome. And you and I came in with what seemed heavy for a newlywed couple, but we made it, it didn't seem like it. Mm-hmm. That's good. 
And I think it's because we did let go a lot of those little things. And you were very attentive the first year of our marriage, Steve. Yeah. I mean, like looking back through this stuff, I posted one letter on our Instagram page that you wrote me Mm -hmm. when we were dating, but that continued throughout our marriage, like the whole seven years. He would randomly show up with flowers. He would leave me little notes. He was very thoughtful when it came to gifts. Like, so I think that helped. I mean, I just never questioned that I wasn't loved and appreciated. So I think that really helped. That's awesome. You were loved and appreciated. Still are. (laughs) Different way. Thanks. Appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, it didn't mean that there weren't hard things that we dealt with. I mean, six months, I remember like that was like the big marking point was six months in when we're working in Virginia, Maryland. We went over this before. It's in Maryland. And Steve's working summer sales and you're gone. Oh yeah. Those were like eleven hour days. And they were awful days that I hated. Yeah. And so like I was just What kind of summer sales were you doing? Door to door, home security systems, ADT home security systems. So how does that I mean, I think I have an idea of how those kind of sales teams work. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly a group of guys. Mostly a group of return missionaries. Okay. That's very much a Mormon industry. Because these are guys that have been knocking doors and, you know, basically selling the gospel, so to speak. Not selling, of course, but there's not a big learning curve for someone to go out and learn how to knock doors and sell a product because they've been doing it on their mission for years. They understand the rejection. Are the females that go and do this with? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, not as much, but at least the office I was in was mostly. And is it lucrative? It's very lucrative. Yeah, you make some big bucks. I mean, we came out of college completely debt-free. Yeah. And partially it's because we had free rent. Right. From Steve's parents, but also, and we had I had a scholarship, and we did have a grant. Yeah, but they were but, small. But still, but we didn't work during the we year. Didn't work we didn't during work during the, the school year. I just worked part time. Yeah, I worked part time. But Steve didn't work at all during at the a school Chinese year. Restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> no, at my uncle's restaurant, or not restaurant, restaurant store. My <laughs> uncle's store. So yeah, I mean, it was a good job for college it for was. sure. It allowed us. I mean, we went to Bolivia for two months. One month. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, months. Stop exaggerating. (laughs) So this job that you were out in Maryland was how long? Three months? Four months? Uh, I think it was like four months. I would always leave. I would take my finals early and go out so I could get going on the sales. And then I would miss the first week of school coming back. Okay, so four months. So that I could get the most out of it. To basically set yourself up financially for the rest of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. And at this point, you were in Maryland. Yeah. Six months into your marriage. Virginia. No, sorry. (laughs) Maryland. Okay, so yeah, I went to Virginia the first summer before we were married. Yes. Then when we went together, we went to Maryland. Maryland. To What part of Maryland? Frederick. Frederick, Maryland. And we loved Frederick. Cute little town. Yeah, it was good. Remember Baker Park? Yeah. Yeah, what was your guys' favorite part? (gasps) Favorite part was Rita's. Rita's Italian ice cream. And custard. Italian okay. custard. I took you there in Idaho Falls once. Which is weird. Rita's? Idaho Falls has a Rita's? Not they, anymore. They it already to. went out of business. What? Remember when we left there and I like... Steve tried to buy a I franchise. I tried. I wanted to buy a franchise and open a Rita's in Idaho. And they're like, sorry, we don't do anything west of the Mississippi. And I was like, well, you should start because I want Rita's. <laughs> but we had like... Oh, it was the second year we had the scooters, huh? We had the scooter. But we just had fun. I mean, like, I got a bike yeah. when we got out there and rode my bike all over. And so while Steve was working, what, what were you doing? Sitting at the pool. Oh. <laughs> no, that first year I got a job, didn't I? At Bath and Body Works. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. 
they tried to promote me to like the manager oh, yeah, like of the real store quick, within like two her, weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew nothing. And that became very obvious when they sent me in for an interview. And I'm like, I don't know what that stands for. <laughs> like all the different acronyms and stuff. And anyway, Bath and Body Works. Bath and Body Works. I killed it, man. Boom. So yeah, it was good. We had fun. We did all the things. What was your favorite memory? His favorite memory was Rita's. Yours? The Baker Park, probably. The concerts in the park. I loved it. This I is... also loved the temple in D.C. Like, mm. it wasn't very far away. And I'd go first thing in the morning because I went out of the car. So I had to go at, like, 5 in the so morning. So you'd ride your bike to D.C. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would take the car super early before Steve went to work, and I'd go to the temple there. And it was cool. I loved that, too. Baker Park and the temple were probably my favorites. And that was always one of my favorite temples. I loved it. It's beautiful. It's huge. And it's so cool just, like, where it's located. and You can sit next to each other. Oh, yeah. I love really? that. Uh-huh. It's kind of cool. That, yeah. yeah. I'd forgotten that. So, anyways. But the second year, I loved the memory of having those scooters. I had a little tiny moped. 49cc moped. This ridiculous little thing that, you know, you'd sit on it and to get it to a moped. So, of course, to start it. So that was the second you prop year. Prop it up on the kickstand. Yeah. As well. And you pedal the pedals like 8,000 miles an hour to get it started. <laughs> it, was, it was too funny. That's and awesome. then we got a little white, like an 84 Honda Spree. So we'd, I'd go out in the moped, Jessica out on the scooter, and we'd cruise around Baker Park. and go Ride them to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Until someone stole them and threw them in the river. Yeah. One of them was recovered. Never the same. The other one was lost. Yeah. Water damage. Very tragic. Okay, yeah. So back to the first year. Yes. Okay, so that first year... I mean, I was doing stuff, and I was bored a lot of the time, but... Did you know she was bored? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was very apparent. <laughs> she was aware. <laughs> and you know how when I get when I get bored, then you come home, and I'm, like, super, super hyper. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was just exhausted. And he's exhausted. Because these were long days. Yeah. And it is blazing hot and humid out there, and you're just out in the sun, on pavement all day, knocking doors, getting rejected. So I don't even think that we had a TV I don't know. I know we had a laptop. And yeah. I remember, so this is what you're alluding to in the six months yeah. in. I'm sitting on the laptop one day. I pull it up to look for something. Like, I remember I was just looking. I needed to find some sort of information on the internet. And I get on and instantly pops up porn, like pornography. And I was like, oh, crap. Because Steve had already told me before we got married that he looked at pornography. And so I wasn't, like, shocked, except that... I realized it was all gay porn. And so like I started clicking through some of the stuff because once it starts coming up on the computer, a lot of times it just keeps like coming at you and it is all gay porn. And I was totally just like in shock. That was the shocking part. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And I was like, why is like, why is he looking at gay porn? Like totally just going through all this stuff in my head. And and I, I exited out of it pretty quick. But I think I was still on the computer when you got home. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't. But definitely crying. And Steve could tell I knew when he got home that something wasn't okay. Well, I think it was like I walked in and you're sitting at the computer crying and you just like... That's kind of how I remember it too. towards me. And I was just mortified that you were seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember you being very concerned for me at that moment of like... What had I just exposed you to? And like, yes. Like, oh my gosh, Jessica's had all of these images like seared into her brain. And I don't remember any of it, which I think is a blessing. I don't remember a single picture that I've ever seen of gay porn. 
but yeah, so there was this. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Steve could remember everything. It was kind of an interesting dynamic. I remember the first image I ever saw. How old were you? I don't know. That I don't know. Ballpark. Teenager. Young. You told me like 10 or 11. I know this was like a thing for me at 10 or 11. I don't know like when I... I don't know. The only like marker I can... Time marker I can put on this is that when I was six months out from getting the Aaronic Priesthood, so 11 and a half, I met with the bishop and had an interview and that I was super concerned that I was not going to be worthy when I turned 12 to get the priesthood because this was a problem for me. And I that's, think, that's the farthest back that I can put like a timestamp on something just because I knew it was six months. So that's pretty young. Prior to the, yeah. That's a typical age, though. But I don't know if that was a pornography thing or a like knowing somewhere deep inside that I was gay thing. I don't know which of the two it yeah. was. I just know that I remember thinking I am not worthy to get the priesthood. I mean, I mean to put it in perspective, like my son, he's 12, 12 and a half now. So I'm just trying to put that in perspective, yeah. right? Of 12 and a half and like... <laughs> You have this memory of kind of a timestamp of 11 and a half years old and knowing that you're going to have to talk to, you know, a bishop. Church clergy. Yeah. So that's And just I'm already just, feeling like, like the, the thing I remember is just feeling like I wasn't worthy and just feeling super guilty about something. Yeah. But, I'm pretty sure it was that because I remember you telling me that it was 10 or 11 years old. Okay. At that time. Yeah. That you first were exposed to it and then it became something became like an ongoing concern in your head. Yeah. An issue. So back to six months into your marriage. You're in Maryland. Turn the computer. Steve gets home from work. Turn the computer. Show him. This is what I've seen. What happens from there? So we talked about it a little bit that night. And I could tell, I mean, Steve was visibly devastated and shutting down. Like. So when you say Steve shuts down, what? Steve, how do you shut down? (laughs) (laughs) It's like I just get lost in, I just kind of go numb. Mm-hmm. It's like I just can't feel anything and I can't like think anything. It's just like totally just this state of being numb. And you saw it, Matt. Yeah, I saw it. First <laughs> time we tried it. to record. When we tried to record episode one and started talking. Yeah. And I just. Oh, it, it was vi- yeah. definitely visible of like. And it's just kind blank. of like a spinning, sinking feeling. I mean, it's I'm sure it's, yeah, you know what it feels like. And yeah. other, I would think it's similar to what other people Okay. I feel like when they start to spin out for whatever reason, whatever thing might cause that for them. But but in this scenario, I just remember Jessica asking me, so you're gay? Or saying, are you gay? That's pretty blunt. I wasn't going to beat around the bush. It's gay pornography. Like, what am I supposed to think? What am I going to, you know? And I just... Rationalized it. Yeah. But it was the first time I'd ever been, like, Caught. asked those questions. and. Or- you know, I was just like in the denial at its best for years and years and years thinking that I wasn't gay. Like, and this was the first time that I had to actually answer that question. And of course, my response was, no, I'm not gay. I'm like, no. Why would you think Why that? Why would you, you know? think that? Was that a pretty instantaneous answer? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said was, no, I'm not. Why would you think that? And so what you was were your like, response? well, duh. Like, well, look at this. yeah, I mean, well, there's gay porn. So I was just asking trying to figure out why, you know... You enjoy this? Why you would enjoy gay porn, why it's not straight porn, like, what's what's going on? So you said he rationalized it. How'd you rationalize that? I... What did I say? Like, or what, For years, to and Steve had told me this, that he grew up, and 
this is how you like denied it or rationalized it in your head from the young age yeah. is that he felt like he was showing respect for women by not looking at them in pornography. Like you were told to respect women, you don't disrespect them. And so he wasn't going to look at them naked in pornography. It was degrading. It was, it was degrading, inappropriate. It was blah, blah, blah. But he wasn't taught that same, he didn't feel that same respect for men. Like, Towards men. Okay. Yeah, like it was different because and it was he'd like, seen guys. Yeah, and, and he it's knew, like, he get, you know, it, you get naked with guys in the locker room and whatever. And like, you know, if it's not, not, as, not a big deal to like... Yeah. To see naked guys is not a big deal. Naked girls was a big deal. <laughs> and I can understand that, how you would think that in your head. And that made sense for you at that time. And it honestly, probably, mostly was just a way of like feeding my denial. And Yeah, for sure. You know, I certainly didn't want to... It was just, it was not an option to be gay. It just wasn't. The way I grew up in my family, in the Mormon church, and conservative Idol Falls, it was just, it was not something I would have ever considered as an option. So of course I had to, you know, Cling on. clearly it was a thing for me. Clearly it was a part of me, but I had to, I had to have some way to be justify. able to justify and rationalize and to, and to be able to say, no, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm normal. <laughs> Did you know in your own head you were rationalizing it at the time? Like justifying? Well, when Jessica asked me, it literally was the first time that I like Really considered really it. Really considered it. And just for, and it was like for the next three weeks, I was just like numb and just like in this little, just wandering around like a zombie in like a little coma. How did sales go for that, those next three weeks? He still functioned. Yeah, but. But I mean. It, but I just, all day, every day, I just was hearing those words, are you gay? And of course I'm answering, I'm saying, and it was just like this realization of like, shit. I'm gay. And that's like, what do months, I do with that? You that's know? six months into your marriage. Yeah. But that's not something he ever vocalized to me at that point. Like, it was a year or so down the road that I don't that think was we even point. talked much about it. I just... We did. I don't think we talked about much more about the fact it was gay porn from then on out. Because right. I knew you were gay at that point. Like, I just figured... How did you know well, he was? I, I sat there thinking about all of these things, too. Like, okay... Here's this guy I married. I know him really well. And I'm thinking about all these different little intricacies that you have and all these different things that you do. And I was like, that could be viewed as like a typical gay guy or whatever. Right. And, and I'm were, like, what were some of those? I don't even know. Like, they weren't things, but well, he like, was sensitive and thoughtful. But I was like, that doesn't mean he's gay. Like, no. I don't, I don't put, equate that with being gay because there are lots of guys out there that I feel have those traits and are gay. And like, all my friends in high school were girls. Things like that that I are just, like... I just didn't relate to guys so much. Mm-hmm. You know, just things like that that are kind of... Not that everyone's going to fit a stereotype. No. But, you know, I, I fit some of those things. And But not as... Like, not like... You weren't flamboyant by any means. And so, like, mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, okay, Steve's gay. I'm going to give him time to process this. And this is something that you're telling yourself in your head? So in your own head? Or you... That I'm thinking... Okay. In my own head. I never talked to anybody about it. I never talked to anybody about the fact Steve had pornography stuff going on. And that was a big deal then in church. It still is. And quite honestly, it's becoming a bigger deal in society. But I just remember specifically during those three weeks you're talking about, like knowing I had to give you the time to be able to even come talk to me about the pornography and that the gay thing 
wasn't on the table right now to be discussed. Like that was obvious by his response. And just like kind of putting it in the back of my mind that I'm not going to worry about this until it needs to be a worry type of thing. And that's very much how I am. I'm not going to like dwell on something that I can't control. Which is pretty amazing because that is actually no one else amazing. is. <laughs> it's, yeah. So how do you shut that off? I can't always. But I was really good at it when we were married. <laughs> I don't know if I still am. I think to a point I am in our marriage, Matt. But I don't know. So what happened after three weeks? Because I know... Yeah, you said you were I know, in a spiral for three weeks. And I know something happened after... Th- I know it took me three weeks to be able to... I don't even know if we like talked about it or if I like accepted some things, but I know there was a three-week period where I was just completely lost in my head and just devastated. And So somehow I figured out how to pull you out of this and how to get you to talk to me. And after you talked to me... I would feel so much better. So, so much relief. We both would. Yes. Oh, so much relief. And that's when I realized that, first of all, this isn't about me. The pornography, whatever... This isn't about it's not, me. Yeah, it's not about you it not being nothing, enough for you being, you know. Yes, it had nothing to do with how Steve felt about me. And I think so many women instantly are like, take it on themselves and start telling themselves, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough in bed. I'm not sexy enough. I'm not whatever. And, and when you're talking about like so many women right now, you're talking about whether it's gay porn or straight, straight porn, porn or anything, any kind of pornography. Yes. A lot of women think what you're describing right yeah. now. That, I can never look like those people in that in these fantasies because they're fantasies. It's not real life. And so I always knew that wasn't the issue. And so it helped me be able to come at it from a place that I could see Steve's pain instead of just focusing on my own. And I which, knew I was going to be okay no matter what. That's like I was incredible that you were able to like have that separation from the get-go to like know that it's not her issue. Yes. And secondly, I've always been amazed at your ability to exactly what you just said. You knew it was going to be okay. And you've already said it several times in the podcast and other episodes is you knew you would be fine. You knew you would be okay. You knew you would get through this. Like, it's impressive. It's faith. It is faith. Like for me, that's what it comes down to. Whether it's faith in a divine being or whatever, I think there's more people than just like, very religious people that have great faith like that, that can trust in the situation. Right. For me, it is faith in God, but it was just like this understanding that I was where I was supposed to be. I was trying to do what was right. And part of that was helping you and loving you as your partner in marriage. So like when I brought up the guys that I dated and how I knew I was able to have an impact on them and whatever, I think that's when I started to realize this. Mm. And honestly, I think set me up in a good position to come into our marriage and to be able to support you in a way. Communicate with. Yeah, communicate in a healthy manner instead of just like, oh my gosh, like panicking or. He doesn't love me. Yeah. He doesn't think I'm beautiful. He doesn't think I'm doing the right things. It's more of this is something that he's struggling with and it's not my issue. Yeah. I think that's really important to recognize. Yeah. I was there to help and support in any way you asked me to. And that was the other thing is like, do you remember that we had, I mean, like I never went in and put filters on our computers and stuff unless you asked me to do it. I do remember that. And there were like. Which we did. We would get, we did. you know, I don't know, net nanny and whatever. whatever filters. 
but it was only the, if you asked me. Those, to, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and I would get notifications like it, I knew, <laughs> but it was always and, like and I that left that up to that him. Happened shortly after this scenario was we installed a filter and we set it up so that if I was tempted and caved and did that again, Jessica would get a notification. I got notifications. <laughs> so. Going back to getting out of the three-week spiral, mm-hmm. was it basically, did it come down to communication and feeling at peace with one another? Oh, for sure. I should go back and see if I have journal, journal entries. entries. from that specific. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I might, too. We could share some of those on Instagram, Facebook, whatever we find, <laughs> if we do. Yeah. It didn't become... A talking point. No, it was like we discussed it a couple times and kind of set up... I think I think a lot of times if we run into a big issue, sometimes we just want to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And that throws us back into a spiral. And I think that sometimes we just need to talk about it, talk about it, say what's on our mind and move on and have the faith that we're going to get through some stuff and well, and address it when it, okay. it needed to be addressed. I mean, I knew yeah. it was an ongoing problem. I wasn't stupid in thinking that he wasn't going to look at it again. But, yeah. Like, what was our time frame after that? Like, I mean, when did we talk about it again? And when did we, I mean, I don't know. I know it took me a very long time to actually, like, sort through, like, what does this mean for me? Clearly, I'm a gay man that's Mormon and married, and I love my wife, and I want to be with my wife. Oh, and well, we didn't talk about this. That's the fact that the conversation there, because we did talk about, like, what does this mean for us? Like, what do we do going forward? We're fresh in this marriage. You're gay. Yeah. What do we do? And, you know, I said, I've never acted on this. I've never been with a man. That wasn't never... yet, though. When, when was that? That was until you really came to terms with the fact you were gay. Which At was this how point, long? like, yeah, when was that? another year, year and a half into I feel our like marriage. It was. Yeah. Because we were living in Boise. You were going to a counselor. Do we want to get into that right now? Because right now I feel like after that three week spiral, then now everything's a blur. Yeah. That's what I well, feel like. So, I mean, Maybe okay, so there was like I, the three weeks and I mean, we did talk about it. I mean, it came up like every few months, I feel like. Like every few it months did. we talked about it. It wasn't like a daily when talking would it come point. Up? Would it come up when you had the urges? I think it would come up when one of us... Was at a breaking point. Yes. And it was like affecting our relationship and we were both distant or edgy or really short with each other and that's when we knew there was a problem and we had to address it and we i mean we got good at reading each other on that and just like you were good at like kind of reading where i was at with the scenario i mean i could see with you too like i could tell when you were reaching a point that you needed to know some you needed a check-in like you needed to know some details of like how are you doing yes where are you at and how often is this happening? Yeah. How often was it happening? I honestly feel like it was like numerous times a week, multiple times a week, not numerous, but like two or three times a week or I just more. know it was a constant temptation for me. Constant. Like, And I knew that, like that it was constantly in the back of his head, like a hard, it was hard for you. I knew it was hard. Yeah. Like I had to like put up barriers galore. Like I had to like be aware of. Was what? any of this accessible to your phone at this time? I was the only one on this sales team that didn't have a smartphone because there was no monitoring software available on smartphones. The company bought everyone's smartphones and I had to like find some excuse about like... Why you didn't want one? Yeah, I'm like, oh, I hate like... 
I want real buttons. I hate like having to type on a touch screen. You know, some stupid excuse so that I could get. So that was one of your barriers that you put up. Yes, and I put up, and that's this is the kind of thing. Like I had to, you know, it is. It's not hard to find porn if you want oh, porn. No. You'll find it. It's Even everywhere. if you don't want porn, you will you find, find it. it. <laughs> and I seriously worked really hard to make sure that I wasn't leaving myself open to some little loophole that I was gonna, in a weak moment, cave in and and go do this. So, at this time, was there any temptation of like? for real act on the things that I'm seeing through pornography? No, there really wasn't. I think I was so far from that. And so, I mean, I told you in episode one, Sebastian hitting on me at the gym was literally the first time I had ever actually felt desires to do something with... Another person. Another person. Another male. Well... Kind of. And I guess kind of. There were some scenarios in college. No, but that's when it became like a real option. Okay, that was, yes, the first real option where I could actually do something with a guy. (laughs) Right now. Right now. Okay. So let's skip forward to, Steve, when you really came to terms with being gay. Like Jessica mentioned that you were seeing a counselor. So fast forward a little bit. You guys finished selling in, in Maryland. Moved back to where? Graduate. We went to Pocatello. Steve graduated college. Like, we did another year. Of, so he graduated. We had a year of school, two semesters of school. Steve well, graduated. And then we did another year of summer sales. Which was awful. And that ended badly. We did half a summer of summer sales. Because Why? we were, like, on the brink of killing each other over that stupid job. It was just... It was just were, so I, just, I mean, door-to-door sales is brutal. And I'd already yeah. done it two summers. And doing this third one. And then I was also managing an office. Wasn't I? And I was doing a manager job, Oh, yeah. Job and Jessica too. was working. I was scheduling everything. And and we were just so stressed out and so spread so thin. And just... We were going to make bank. We would have made some serious dollars. Yeah. But... What? Do you remember when I told you the other night that I chucked a cell phone yeah, across the that room was, and that shattered was, it on a wall? Jessica yeah. got so that ticked at me that where... she threw her phone. I don't remember what the issue was or what. I think it was us. I think it was you saying, we are quitting this job and driving back to Boise like tomorrow. <laughs> right? Yeah. In fact, you know, it finally came down to you said, I'm leaving. Yeah. I am getting in the car and I driving remember... to Boise and you can come or you can stay. But, but I'm out. No, I just said I was going to get a ticket and fly home. Okay. But you were like, you're leaving me? Like, <laughs> our marriage? And I'm like, no. That I have journal entries for. Because yes. I remember walking out and going and sitting on a bench and just, like, scribbling down all of these lines. I threw it after he walked out of the room, too. It wasn't like really? I threw it at him. But, like... So this is intense. We it was even, very intense. We weren't even really mad at each other. It was just a stressful situation. Because I haven't seen you throw anything yet. No. No, you never I'm, will. But like, I mean, I've, seen, I've seen you like hit me out of play, playfulness. <laughs> and I said I was going home. I'm gonna get a plane ticket. I'm gonna go home. And Steve was like, I just remember that. Like you're leaving me. I'm like I am not leaving you. I'm just gonna go home for the rest of the summer, and you can finish the summer. Like I just don't want to be here anymore. And this isn't healthy. Like okay. what we're doing to each other. Well, it literally was a scenario for me where I had to sit and decide: Do I choose my wife or do I choose my job and this plan and this financial scenario and everything. And it was just, I wanted to stay, even though I was miserable, but... Because of the financial freedom that it was going to bring. Yes. And it was it was going to bring it. And we were only like a month away. But anyway, it literally... <laughs> so how much money did you leave on the table, you think? $60,000. At least. I oh, think it was, snap. Yeah. Which was big money for you just You know, and graduating. they pay you like a fraction of the money up front. And then when you finish the summer and like three months later, you get like the 75% of your income for the whole summer. That's how these summer programs And this work. is exactly why, is because so many oh, people Oh, yeah, because otherwise everyone summer. would leave, because it's awful. Just bail. It's brutal. It 
awful. But I know it was just like, well, I have to choose Jessica. Like, none of the rest of this matters, and we'll figure that out. And it's, you know, this is not the important stuff. The important stuff is me and Jessica. Because at this time, you, you graduated, you had a degree, you knew you probably could get a job fairly quickly. We knew this was our last summer doing this, too. Yeah. We're like, we're out of college, but before we get into our careers and whatever, let's do one more summer, make all this money, get ourselves set up to start things out right. But the summer didn't work. So yeah, so we did that that summer. I had one semester left of college. Steve tried to find a job in Pocatello, didn't, so he moved to Boise. I tried to get us to stay in Maryland. You remember that? Yes, you tried all sorts of stuff. For like two weeks. I really liked it out there. Ugh. Anyway. It was good, but... (laughs) It's funny looking back on this. Like, I have this ability to look back on things, and whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know, but I remember all the good stuff. Like, at some point I was talking about our summers in Maryland, like, with, you know, like, talking about these great memories and how nostalgic I was about it, whatever. And and you're just like, what are you talking about? Those summers were miserable and you hated every day. <laughs> and just reminded me of this and that and this. And I'm like, oh, you're right. How did I forget those things? That was terrible. <laughs> but we did have a good time in spite of that. Like, we there were great moments, but... Very few and far between, though, because we worked 11-hour Steve... days, six days a week. And then it was Sunday and all we could do was go to church and Steve keep the did. Sabbath day holy. Steve does tend to glorify like the good. Yeah, I don't know good. why I've just it's always been and, and I'm I'd glad about get, it. I would yeah. rather remember all the good stuff and forget yeah. the bad. There Absolutely. are situations you have to remember the bad though, so you don't right. repeat it. Right. And that <laughs> that I have learned about myself. Like there are times where it's, you know, if you're comparing, like obviously in the present, you're aware of very aware of any negative stuff that's going on yeah. with you. And then anyway. Sometimes I have to remind myself, no, it was not yeah. Oh, so Steve, butterflies and rainbows, the way I remember. <laughs> Steve tried to get us to stay in Maryland. We went to Pocatello. He tried to get a job there, didn't. So he moved to Boise, got a job in Boise. And I stayed and finished in December that year. Yes. And then I moved to Boise and got a job there. And I believe shortly thereafter, well, probably like a few months after that, like springtime, Steve started counseling because we needed to deal with the pornography issue. Like mm-hmm. we needed help. Mm-hmm. We were doing you know, good communicating and stuff, but you were at a point you were just frustrated. Right. I mean, nothing was changing. No. It's not going to change. You don't change being gay. You don't, it's not going to go away. Those feelings are not going to go away. The desire is not going to go away. And, you know, based on our views in the church and everything at this time, like we were dealing with this as a pornography addiction. Yeah. And addressing it the way, you know, the church has a lot of things in place to help men with pornography addiction. You're making a face, Jessica. What? <laughs> well, we were dealing with it as a pornography addiction because you hadn't come to terms with the fact you were gay. Right. You still could not say those words. Right. And it was in and, counseling. Yeah. In Boise. In Boise at that point that you finally were like, that the counselor was like, okay, the pornography is an issue because it's this. taking over your life, but really you're gay and that's and the, the por- issue. And the pornography was just the single outlet the only outlet for the gay side of me. Like, that was that was it. I didn't, you know, there was nothing else that... Yeah. Do you remember this counseling session? I don't, and I can't even remember the counseling. How do you remember I the don't counseling? know. Were you there? I don't remember the counseling session. Steve told me that. I remember the counselor I saw in Pocatello, which was actually the first counselor I saw. I don't remember So I did that. see one in Pocatello. I vividly yeah, remember him. But you didn't like him, from what <laughs> I remember. I liked counseling, though. It's funny, we did, I don't know how many weeks, and it was arranged through the church. The bishop suggested it, and mm-hmm. anyway, we never talked about pornography or homosexuality. 
because all we talked about was just the basics of, you know, it was like, tell me about your mother. And then we went on about that for six weeks, you know? <laughs> Not since I'm <laughs> quoting, you know, Freud there or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, right. but it was literally just talking about my childhood and my upbringing, my views and my self-confidence levels yeah. or lack thereof. Did you learn just, anything from those oh, questions? Oh, so much. Which I feel like so plays much. into any it issue so like does. that. It so does. It so does. So this was really a good start for me for counseling. Yeah. We didn't do it long enough because it was like a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. To even get into those issues, it was just... There were enough other issues to to fill the eight weeks. <laughs> but it was very much an eye-opening thing for me. I'd never done counseling or anything before, and I kind of grew up with a very negative image of counseling. I think a lot of people of, do. Yeah, there's a stigma around, oh, you have to go to counseling. Oh, you like, go to counseling? Oh, you're screwed up. Yeah, what's you know, wrong with like, you? Yeah. Which is so Ridiculous. Wrong. It, it, it really is. I think counseling is wonderful for anyone yeah. in any scenario, anything. Like, to have a neutral party to sit down... I think I'll all three of us to would agree with and that. get like, some neutral feedback. I think it's important if you feel like you should go to count, like go don't to counseling. hesitate. Go to yeah. counseling. Yes, talk to people. It's nice to be able to talk to someone that isn't emotionally attached to your scenario. For sure, they don't know you. They're not related to you. They don't know the people you're talking about. They're there because you're paying them to be there, and they have some knowledge of how to help. How to help. So it's. I think it's a great thing. Okay. So Steve goes to his counselor. He's been going to this counselor. And he hasn't talked to me about any of this. He hasn't yeah, told I, me I, that I, he's come to terms with these, the fact that he's gay. He hasn't told me any of this until, and even at that point, you didn't tell me this. He gets a job in Belize. He gets offered this job managing a hotel in Belize. And we're like, dude, can't have a kid. We're just, you know, we have nothing tying us to Boise. We owned a house here, but we can rent that out. Let's go. So we decided to move to Belize. Yeah, and it literally kind of was tied to us not being able to have a kid. We're just like, you really? know what? Like... If we, we can't do that, let's get the heck out of here and go live somewhere amazing on a beach. And let's just, go try it out. Yeah. Might as well. Do you think that spontaneity, except that's a word, right? Yeah. <laughs> was more of like, I want to try and get away from the reality that I'm maybe having some other struggles? No. Or was it just, I don't think so. boom, let's go, we have... I think yeah. it was In fact, just... if anything, it was, all, it was kind of a hesitation of, do we dare move to somewhere that it inevitably is going to have a whole lot less support than what I have here? Hmm. Interesting. Which okay. at the time, it wasn't a ton of support anyway, not like no. compared to Colorado Springs or something. You just had a counselor. That. That's yeah. the only thing we were doing at that point. You were well, and I counseling. was, I think at some point along the way, I don't know which ward we were in or anything, but these were weekly meetings with bishops or... Yeah. For, for a lot of our marriage, there were nightly phone calls to a bishop where I would check in every night to a bishop, that. either by text or phone call. Hmm. So it was like checking in with your... Uh, Support. Where I literally, yeah, where I literally had to, yeah, like checking in with your sponsor. Yeah. yeah. Where I literally, I would just say red light or green light. In fact, I did that when we were engaged. I, yeah. Oh, I did know that when we were engaged. I mean, I didn't know it until you told me like a few days before we got married, but then but you told me. Every like, night it was check in. a quick phone call at 10 o'clock. Red light, red light or green light. And if it was red light, we'd usually talk more about what came up during the day that was a problem. And what was usually the red light? I mean, this was all porn-related. This was not talking about me well, being gay because I was so not there yet. But right. just if I had been tempted and if I had looked at porn somewhere along the way. So going back to pornography, I have a couple of questions written on the board. One specific for Steve. Well, they're both the same question, but specifically for both of them. Steve, do you feel like pornography contributed to fueling homosexual desires? Well, the real problem was that I was gay. Yeah. And that I was not addressing that 
and that there was this whole huge side of me that was completely unfulfilled and you know shoved away and despised and yeah this this side of myself that I had never engaged that I had never let be and that was the issue the symptom of that was you know pornography was the way it manifested itself you know I say I never engaged it but clearly I did in the form of pornography that was like the one outlet for this side of myself that just like otherwise would have just like made me implode you know (laughs) yeah see that's where I question though and you and I see differently, it's like where you say you would have imploded. I feel like if at a young age you hadn't been opened up to this world of pornography, that the fantasy of what it would be like and like this whole other life that you could have maybe wouldn't have wouldn't been. have been so in your face. Hmm. Like it wouldn't have been, because that is an issue even in straight men, heterosexual men in hmm those marriages is that they've they fueled these fantasies. Sem- yeah. perception of what a skewed perception sex should be of, like or yeah. what a relationship a re- should be like or something. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That it like kills their marriage, their sex life and their marriage and whatever. And so for me, like, like I said in the last, ep- well, the episode with Stephanie that I'm never going to go back and question that, you know, things might've been different, whatever right. they are, right. what they are. But to me, like that probably would have changed something. And I don't right. blame you for that at all. And I like, do and I do agree with that. I know there was, I mean, I know that there was, bottom line is, porn did not make me gay. No. <laughs> porn does not make anyone gay. No, no but like but, might have fueled that fantasy behind yeah. what it would be like. Which I have heard people say. Yes. <laughs> that, oh, Steve's gay because he was into porn as a kid. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Yeah. I also think that pornography does fuel these fantasies that aren't real. Right. And gives these false sense of what those types of relationships really are. Right. And I truly believe like as a society we really need to be careful with pornography and and its its serious effects on relationships. For sure. Um, Straight gay or whatever. I think this is a great stopping point. And I think like my mind's been open to a lot of things that I didn't know about both you and Jessica. And yeah, you know, it's funny to me that even if we did this and never even posted any of these episodes, like how good would this be just for the three of us? Seriously. Like I was thinking about that actually halfway through this is like, this is so like, I'm getting goosebumps because it's, it's great counseling session within within amongst the three of us that I think is extremely important. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the husband in law. All right. Now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.